Thank you, Jika. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. It's a great, to, great day to be inside, isn't it? And we're glad that you're inside of this place where we have gathered to worship the Lord together. We have some guests with us today, and you're very welcome here. We are so glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. They are on each, each row, on the end of each row. We would like to ask, if you would, to take that and to fill, the, fill them out and uh, uh, give us a record of your attendance with us. Just put your name and address, phone number, whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us, uh, fill that out and check the appropriate box. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, put your email address on there, and uh, we'll, we'll get you on that list. It's a great way to keep up with the opportunities here at Community Baptist Church. Um, Also, if you have not received your church directory yet, please see Sandy Reisinger. uh, Sandy, raise her hand and go, hey, there she is. She has your church directory. If you have not received it yet, see her before you leave today, and she will give you one. And and we appreciate Sandy and Juanita uh, Osborne for uh, all their hard work in in getting our directory uh, up and running this year. Uh, It is beautiful, and we, we are grateful for that. Do you remember uh, seeing old uh, movies, especially Navy movies, you know, when there's all of a sudden uh, the, the captain comes on the loudspeaker and says, all hands on deck, all hands on deck, and everybody's scrambling to get to their battle stations. you remember that? Okay. Here it is, folks. All hands on deck. <laughs> we need your help. Next weekend, because it's going to be a big weekend and we're going to be stretched pretty thin because we have a couple of different things going on at the same time. And uh, it's unavoidable, but it's just the way things happen. And so we have Upward next Saturday and we also have the Highway 60 yard sale next Friday and Saturday. And so we need as many volunteers as we possibly can. Mike, did you want to make an announcement about the uh, Highway 60 yard sale? Uh, yes, uh, we were doing some uh, pricing last night. We, we've got a lot of stuff. I think we have more uh, stuff than we had last year, and it's upstairs, and it's back here, and it's in the toddler room. And uh, but, uh, we're going to need a little help uh, Friday and Saturday uh, to uh, to get the stuff loaded up and get it, get it down there and get set up. Uh, also, uh, Thursday night after upward practice, if you can, we need to... Uh, we need some people to uh, help get the stuff from downstairs and out of the rooms into the foyer where it, so it will be ready to be loaded onto uh, a trailer uh, bright and early Friday morning. So if you can help at any of these times, uh, please uh, sign the sheet. Uh, we've got it divided up into uh, like four-hour shifts on Friday and Saturday, 6.30 to 10.30 and then 10.30 to, to 2.30. So uh, if, you, if you can help, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, It's a a big weekend, and so please sign up the uh, volunteer sheet out out in the foyer. And if you'd like to um, volunteer for Upward, we need some volunteers for Upward uh, on Saturday as well. Uh, Please see Sybil. 
see Sybil or Matthew North, and uh, we'll get you signed up for that. So we need lots of help next weekend, and we appreciate you because you are always so faithful to be there when we need you. Uh, also, next Sunday is World Communion Sunday, and we will be celebrating that with, uh, with our brothers and sisters all over the world uh, as we commune together with each other, with our brothers and sisters around the world, and especially as we commune together with God. And it's going to be an interesting uh, time next week. I will not be here. Mary Rye will be preaching and leading us through the uh, communion, and we're going to be having bread from different areas of the world uh, to share in, in our World Communion Sunday. Uh, one other thing, how many of you know who Susie Painter is? Anybody? Okay, just a few people. Let me tell you who Susie Painter is. Susie Painter is the new executive director of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. She's been, been there for uh, less than a year. And, uh, and, and I'm very excited about her leadership. Uh, we are a Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Church, and she is the head person in uh, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And she will be coming to Kentucky in November. And we have an opportunity to go and to meet her, to converse with her, and to uh, support her, and to learn a little bit about her. And she's kind of making a tour of Kentucky, and the nearest place that she will be to us will be at Third Baptist Church in Owensboro on November the 5th. So go ahead and put that in your calendar. It's a Tuesday night. There's some question about the time, I'm not because I've seen a couple of different times, so I need to nail that down. Uh, but it will be Tuesday night, November the 5th. So put that on your calendar. It's a great opportunity to go and meet Susie. And, and she's, a, she's a ball of fire, folks. She's, she's really good. Uh, and it will be a great opportunity to meet her. Uh, let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of Christ with one another. Good
Please join me in our responsive reading today titled Abundance. God of the hungry, shelter of the homeless, provider of all that we need and much of what we want, you welcome us like a parent calling a child to a nourishing meal. As you replenish us with food for our souls, turn our, eye, our eyes and our hearts to the needs of our brothers and sisters who go to bed hungry and wake up longing for bread. Help us realize how much is enough and how much is too much. Give us Amen. Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick, and come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted, comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and, and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can, can, can cross from there to us. He said, then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord.
participate in the children's moment. You know, if it wasn't for songs, when I was your age, I probably wouldn't know a bit of scripture. You know, the scripture that was just read to us, I learned it by this little song. It was, poor man, Lazarus, sick and... Gracious God, we thank you for every day, your gracious love, and your open arms. As your humble servant, please bless and accept these tithes and offerings. You gave us your son to us so we can become closer to you. Thank you, God. Pray for Brother Tim as he delivers his sermon today. May we take the message and live these words through our minds, our actions, and in our hearts. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
I think we're going to need to change the order of service so that my sermon doesn't come after the choir anymore. That's a hard act to follow, I'll tell you what. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. Appreciate it. One comedian used to say that I used to think I was poor, but then they told me I wasn't poor, I was needy. And then they told me it was self-defeating to think of myself as needy, so I was deprived. Oh, not deprived, but rather underprivileged. And then they told me that underprivileged was overused, so I was disadvantaged. He said, I still don't have a dime, but I have a great vocabulary. Well, maybe that comedian was laughing to keep from crying, because whatever you may call it, being poor is not fun. Jesus said there was a rich man who was dressed in fine clothes and lived a life of luxury. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat whatever crumbs he could find. And even the dogs would come and lick his sores. And then the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. But the rich man also died. And in Hades, where he was in torment, the rich man looked up and and saw Abraham with Lazarus by his side. So he called out to him and said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in some water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things, and now he is comforted, and you are in agony. My friends, if ever there was a parable of Jesus that should keep us awake at night, it should be this one. And the reason why is because compared to most of the people in the world, we are the rich ones. And because of that, most of us would prefer not to think very much about this parable because we end up identifying with the wrong character. And I know that we rationalize to ourselves that we are saved by grace and not by works, and we are. But because of, but because of that, we, we tend to skip over this parable and other teachings of Jesus that remind us of our responsibility to the poor. And that makes us very much like the rich man in this story because we tend to see what we want to see. William Barclay titles this passage, The Punishment of the Man Who Never Noticed. And I wonder if that couldn't be said of many people today. For example, how many of us ever notice how often Jesus talked about our responsibilities to the poor and the downtrodden? We often skip over those passages of Scripture. I think probably the most famous comes from Matthew 25 when Jesus said, for I was hungry. He says in, on the last day, on the day of judgment, he says, I am hungry and you gave me nothing to eat and I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink and I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will ask, Lord, when, when did we see you? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and didn't help you? 
And he will reply, whenever you did not help one of the least of these, you did not help me. That's another passage that we might call the punishment of the people who never noticed. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison? And, you know, that's kind of the problem, isn't it? You see, Jesus was there in those people who were hurting and we didn't notice. So how often do we not notice the problem of the poor in our society? How often do we overlook them because it's just too inconvenient to deal with them? Eleanor Roosevelt, the wife of President Franklin Roosevelt, remembered that before they were married, she was working at the university settlement in New York City. Franklin went to pick her up there late one afternoon, but she wasn't ready because there was a sick child who needed to be taken home. And so Franklin said that he would go with her. And they took the child to an area a few blocks away, not too far away, and and Franklin went with her up the five flights of the tenement building to a small apartment where they lived, and it was not a very pleasant place. There was garbage in all over the place, and and, uh, it was not very clean, and and it was just a very uh, unpleasant place to be. Franklin looked around in horror. It was the first time he'd ever really been in a slum. It was the first time he'd ever seen a slum. And so when he finally got back down to the street, he took a deep breath of fresh air and said, My God, I didn't know people lived like that. Well, obviously that experience had an impact on him. But you know something? He's not alone. The fact is that most of us are blissfully ignorant of the miserable conditions in which many people in our world live. Pastor Edward Marquardt tells about how some years ago he watched a political ad for a candidate named Ross Perot. You remember Ross Perot? You remember Ross? He always had his charts. He, he was famous for, for having his charts. And Marquardt remembers that on, on this ad, this particular ad, Perot brought out several charts describing the economic life here in America, and one of those charts showed the level of poverty our nation's children, of our nation's children, compared to the levels of poverty of children living in European democracies. What was the percentage of poor children who lived in European democracies? About seven to five, or about five to seven percent. And what percentage of American children were poor? About 20%. No other industrialized democracy was even close to the number of poor children here in America. And then Ross said this. He said, it ain't right. It ain't right. And pardon my grammar, folks, but Ross was correct. It ain't right. It ain't right that a country that boasts the strongest economy in the world and also claims to be a Christian nation has more people in poverty than any other industrialized democracy in the world. And I'm afraid to say that many of us who claim to be Christians, we just close our eyes 
And we refuse to even acknowledge that there is a problem. Like the rich man in Jesus' parable, it's easier for us just to not notice. And unfortunately, that's always been the case. And that's why Jesus told this story. Listen to this, folks. According to a report released by the World Bank, nearly 2.8 billion, with a B, people, almost half the population of the earth still live on the equivalent of $2 or less per day. Of these, some 1.1 billion people survive on less than $1 per day. And it is amazing to see what links people will go to not to notice. Brazil is a country with an even wider income gap than the United States. And I read recently that in Sao Paulo, uh, police have stopped trying to remove beggars from their streets. Instead, they've decided to concentrate on geographical containment. In other words, they wall off the poor from the rest of the population. And meanwhile, the city's rich have literally risen above it all by using helicopters to bypass the poor areas of town. There are now 240 helicopter pads in Sao Paulo compared to just 10 in New York City. So I guess that's one way to ignore the problem. Get a helicopter and fly over it so you don't have to see it. You don't have to be bothered with those pesky poor people. And I've seen it before. When I lived in Atlanta and a major event was coming to town, like the Olympics or a Super Bowl or something like that, the police would literally sweep the streets a few weeks in advance and arrest hundreds and sometimes maybe even thousands of homeless people on on minor charges, put them in jail so that our visitors would not be bothered with seeing them. And it's amazing what we will do to keep from noticing. But my friends, there was one who did notice. You see, God noticed. Luke tells us that when Lazarus died, the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And what a beautiful image that was. This time, it wasn't his friends or his concerned neighbors who carried Lazarus home at the end of a long day. It was the angels. Because, you see, God knew Lazarus' situation, and God cared for Lazarus. I was tempted to call this parable the man who made a name for himself and the man who didn't. That would demonstrate how differently we see the world from the way God sees the world so often. For you see, in Jesus' story, it was Lazarus who made a name for himself. But notice that we never even know the rich man's name. We know Lazarus' name, but not the name of the man who ignored him. And this is significant. Because when Jesus told a parable, he never named a character. Not even once, except right here. The rich man was nameless, but Lazarus has a name. And folks, I want you to think about that for a minute because this is a huge difference. It's a difference between being known by God and being honored by God and not being known by God and honored by God. Lazarus knew God and was known by God. 
And so by naming Lazarus and not the rich man, Jesus completely turns our perception, our concept of who's who in our society upside down. You see, Jesus reminds us that heaven is often just the opposite of this world in many respects, especially when it comes to determining someone's worth. And I'm sure that this rich man was well-known and probably admired, but not by God. Sarah Bunge once asked her high school students to name some rich people in our society and to name people like Bill Gates and Donald Trump, the Middle Eastern oil guys, and Oprah. And then she asked them to name the people in their town who are homeless and, or have to beg, and they couldn't. They made some vague references to that guy who lives under the bridge or that crazy lady that asks for change every time I come out of McDonald's. And then Bun says, we all understood what Jesus was saying. God cares about everybody, even and especially those that society would rather not notice and definitely not name. But God noticed Lazarus. And cared about him. And God also noticed the actions of the rich man who refused to notice the poor man at his gate. Luke tells us that the rich man died and in Hades where he was in torment, the rich man looked up and saw Abraham with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water to cool my tongue because I'm in torment in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted and you are in agony. Now why do you suppose the rich man was in Hades while Lazarus was in heaven? Well, it's because God noticed the rich man just as he noticed Lazarus. And we don't really know anything about this man. We're not told that he was a particularly bad person. We're not told that he was guilty of some glaring sins or cruelty. He was not a, a monstrous member of society. Indeed, he was probably very, uh, he very well could have been a, a socially responsible and upright citizen. So what was his sin? It was the sin of not noticing. So, friends, let me ask you this today. How often do we take the time to notice the people around us, their needs, their concerns? And not just the homeless people asking for handouts, but the lonely teenager down at the, at the end of the street. Or the young mother trying to keep her family together after being abandoned by her husband. How often do we notice the elderly person whom nobody visits or the jobless guy who is being left behind by a culture that no longer values his talents? How often do we notice the person sitting right next to us, perhaps even in this congregation, who just received a devastating report from the doctor? Do we even notice what other people are going through around us? 
My friends, it is a sin that afflicts all of us to some degree or another, and yet it is a sin that we rarely talk about. It is the sin of self-absorption. It is a sin of being so preoccupied with our own cares, our own concerns, that we don't even think about the problems of others. And I know I'm being hard here, folks. This is a hard teaching of Jesus Christ, but I am not going to practice hopscotch exegesis and come to those hard parts and just jump over it. We've got to deal with them. Professor Robert Wuthnow once conducted some research about why some people are generous and compassionate while others are not. And he discovered that many compassionate people at some point in their lives have had someone act with compassion towards them. And that experience of having someone show compassion towards them transformed their lives. An example he gave gave was... uh, The story about Jack Casey. Jack said, all I learned from my father is that I didn't want to be like him. He was raised in a a tough home and his father was an alcoholic. But something happened to Jack when he was a child that changed his life forever. You see, Jack had to have surgery and he was terrified. His father was not there for him. But there was a nurse who came to his side and stayed by his side Every step of the way, holding his hand, reassuring him that everything would be okay. She said, I'll be right with you no matter what. And she kept her word. She was there smiling at him the moment he opened his eyes. And that made a difference in his life. Years later, later Jack became a paramedic and he was called to the scene of an automobile accident. A man was pinned in his car upside down, and Jack did his best to free the man, even while gasoline was dripping down on both of them. The man was afraid he was going to die, and just one spark could set the whole scene, and uh, the whole scene would go up in flames. But Jack remembered back to that time when he was a child, and that nurse never left him. So he took that man's hands, and he squeezed them as he said, Don't worry, I'm here with you. And days later, these two men met and they embraced and that man said to Jack, you know, you were crazy. You were crazy to stay there with me. We both could have died. And Jack smiled and said, I couldn't leave you. I just couldn't leave you. Well, folks, that is precisely the point of today's parable. You see, there was a time spiritually when each and every one of us was a beggar lying at the gate, totally helpless. But Christ noticed us. And Christ loved us just as we are. And now Christ is calling upon us to remember that truth and that compassion and that grace that God has given to us and to look around And to see someone else who could use our attention and our compassion and our love. And what the research tells us is that this person might just remember our generosity when he or she is in the position to help someone else. And so that original act of kindness goes on forever, like paying it forward. 
But folks, you can't be a part of this chain of love if you never take the time to look beyond our own cares and take in the cares of others. So don't be like the rich man who will always be remembered as the one who refused to notice. Look around you today. See someone who needs your love. And then extend the mercy and the grace that you have experienced in your own life. Share the love, my friends. Notice the people around you. And do something. Amen. We're going to sing together our closing hymn, Lord, I Want to Be a Christian. And I think that's probably the prayer of all of our hearts. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here today. That you want to be a Christian. We want to be a Christian. And being a Christian means following Jesus. It means accepting Christ as our Lord, as our Savior. That's the first thing. But that's only the first step. Belief is just a part of the equation. The hard part comes after we accept Christ as our Savior and we are called to follow. Sometimes that means we are called to do things that we're uncomfortable doing. But God has called us to follow. I'm going to give you a chance today to make a commitment to Christ if you've never done that. To take that first step of faith. To accept Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. To say, I believe in Him. And I believe that He is my Savior. And now I want to make Him my Lord. And I commit myself to follow. If you've never made that commitment, we invite you today. Or if you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to come and unite with us. Or maybe you need a time of prayer. We will be glad to pray with you. Come as we sing together. Lord, I want to be a Christian.
Nothing that we encounter in this world can ever separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Not hardship or disaster, (coughs) poverty or danger, neither death nor life, angels or demons, or our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell itself. Nothing in all of creation can ever separate us from God's love. So go from here with the joy to love and to serve the Lord our God and our brothers and sisters. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.